Welcome to Rain Check. I'm Kobe, and today John and I are talking with Ian Granger of HHV and Advanced Research. We're big fans of Ian's work and are looking forward to talking with him about his career, style, and plans for expanding advanced research into a fully-fledged fashion and outdoor community. Ian has great taste and an infectious passion for clothes and curation, and we're honored to get a chance to talk with him and pick his brain about new brands. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Ian. Hey, guys. Good to good to see you. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, thank you. Did you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess I'm, I work in the industry. Um, I've worked at a few different places. At the moment, I'm working in Berlin uh, as a buyer. Um, I also help do the um, account advanced research with my friend Lars. Um, I guess I'm very interested and everything that all of us are into, you know. Um, really liked what you guys have been doing. Um, I guess for me myself, I've uh, I've been working in the industry for like maybe not that long, maybe like six years. Um, I worked at End, Coven, uh, prior to working at HHV in Berlin. I uh, worked in production. Uh, decided that I wanted to, to move away somewhere. Um, the options at the time were potentially Vancouver, if I could find something, or Berlin. And uh, Berlin ended up being. Um, so that's where I am at the moment. Um, in terms of advanced research, obviously we can go into a bit more detail later, but started that like maybe uh, in January with Lars. Um, he'd been doing the account for a while and he just wanted someone to come and join. Um, yeah, so that's, I guess that's a little short snippet of me. And how did you get into the industry? Um, I was working for a gas and electric company as a senior analyst, um, basically analyzing complaints, which I can, I'm sure you can imagine isn't exactly the most interesting thing in the world. Um, and I just decided that I wanted to work in an industry that I enjoyed and to, to you know, be able to actually care about what I was doing, you know. Um, and at the time, I had a friend that worked at End, and I just kept tapping him up for any time they had any jobs coming up that might be suitable. Um and I went to, to work at End in production. Um, so essentially my role there was kind of, kind of linked to what I was doing before. Uh, and I would essentially, all the product would come into the back door. I would have to make sure it was booked in, uh, make sure it was ready to go online, and then plan it into a workflow plan to make sure that all the product got online. Um, so yeah, I did, did that for nearly four years. And I guess that was my sort of way into the industry. I knew people within the industry prior to that. But I needed a way to get like in there as a role because I kind of wanted to be immersed in it rather than it just being something I, you know, enjoyed in, in my spare time. It's something that I really wanted to get in and enjoy. So something we always like to ask is, you know, what what was your entry point into getting into clothing, right? Like how did you like start? Um, I would say, for I'm not going to say trainers, sneakers. So like uh, when I was a kid, I've always been interested in sneakers, like always, always, always. Going back to when I was like in primary school, my gran would always buy me a pair of Nikes every single year. And I guess, I know I don't know if that's going back too far for you, but I guess that was when I really got into it. I can see the Bartley 2s, the Nike Bartley 2s are starting to get coming out again and I had a pair of them when I was like 11, 12 in primary school. And it's just things like that back in those days that I was just very, very much into sneakers. Didn't quite have the knowledge at 11 or 12 that I do now. But I guess that was kind of like my entry point um, at that point into, into the industry and into fashion and into sneakers. It's really funny. Almost everyone we have on says that they got into fashion from sneakers. Yeah, that's the thing. I think it's like an easy entry point, isn't it? It's, it's something that you can understand. I mean, you, you, you wouldn't understand Arcteryx or Valence or Jill Sander or Diver P or anything like that now because it's too it'd be too much for a young kid but sneakers is an easy one everyone loves sneakers like even if you don't have many pairs everyone loves sneakers so it's a, it's a very i think the best accessible entry point into fashion is is that you know everyone needs them that's definitely true can you talk about how you went from sneakers to you know more sophisticated parts of fashion um i guess it was i worked at um size for a while um, and I guess around that time I started getting more into like Stone Island um, 
I get actually thinking back to that. It was more like when End opened in, in Newcastle, I was already sort of getting into it a bit, but then pushing into what they were doing, which was totally different at the time, um, then linked me into other things. So I could tell you exactly where things were in the store, the original small store. But again, going back to like Shadow Project and linking it into Berlin, uh, Firmament, do you know the store Firmament? Yeah, obviously, yeah. Obviously, obviously, you know Firmament. Uh, they used to have a website and the website was called The Glade. So a website now is Firmament, but at the time it was The Glade. And The Glade was like one of the only places that you could buy Shadow Project in Europe. Now, I couldn't afford it, but when it first came out in what, 2008 maybe? Some, I think it was around that time. I used to go onto the Glade all the time to look at the, the, the Shadow Project they had on there and other things. So I guess it's kind of like you get that thing with sneakers. You sort of think a little bit about Supreme and streetwear. I don't know the hundreds or Gravis or whatever. You then sort of and then like high street sort of stores as well. You would maybe Uniqlo or something like that. But then end opening was my way really into really seeing what the options were out there. You know, not having to just go to high street stores. Uh, which then linked into to other things. Um, so I guess that was probably my main way into fashion, like higher fashion, if you like, like not just your basic high street stores. That's really cool. I had no clue the Glade was just Firmament because if you go really back on the Super Future acronym pages, mm-hmm. there's so much mention of that store. I had no clue what it is. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know why exactly it was separated out to be the Glade as their website and Firmament being the store. Um, I know people that used to work there back at, at that time, so I could maybe ask the question. But yeah, um, I, I didn't even connect the two because living in Scotland or in the northeast of England, I didn't really, I'd never been to Firmament. I only know the Glade. And then it wasn't until later that I put the two together and I was like, oh, the Firmament's this like bricks and mortar store. And then you've got the Glade as the website. Just curious, how did people tend to dress um, in the place you were from? Uh, so I was born in Edinburgh and I grew up in a place called Dunfermline. Now uh-huh. I'm trying, I'm trying to think of what Dunfermline could be. Uh, Dunfermline might be like the Mississauga to Toronto's Edinburgh. You know, <laughs> I don't know something like that. Kind of like a smaller place nearby. Not very well. There was like maybe the odd store that kind of in and out, but you you can imagine very basic. Uh, the buy in like a supermarket, buy clothes in like a supermarket or from somewhere like that. Um, not really, I wouldn't say fashion. Um, Edinburgh's a bit different and then moving to the Northeast was a bit different as well because you had access to more things. But yeah, not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tag the word fashion to anything that anybody wore in Dunfermline. <laughs> not really. Were you ever into mainline Stone Island or did you start off just being like Shadow Projects, uh, like my immediate interest? I guess like I was interested in it because one of my friends, James, or my best friend, James, he, we went to college together. And um, he was always, kind of at the time, getting me more and more into things like that. And he was always very much into Stone Island. But I guess I did enjoy it. But I feel like the added, um, I guess, bonus of having Erlson and the acronym crew involved in Shadow Project just gave it that little bit more, you know? It wasn't, not that there was anything wrong with Stone Island, and I still love it because they do so many great things with fabrics and, you know, uh, finishes and and whatever, but Stone Island Shadow Project was just a little bit more for me. I'm sure that you guys probably think the same way because I guess you're into similar stuff. Um, but it was just the like the very first Shadow Project the jacket had was like a Razzle from like 2008 2009, and it was the one that had like hidden pockets on the front, and it was kind of like where a f- the patch goes on the inside, right? Exactly, yeah. So the patch was like the inside pocket. So it's just little things like that where I'm whenever I wear it, I would I would never really have the badge out. Especially going to football matches and stuff like that, because uh-huh. people sort of like link it to like you. Occasionally, you might want to fight or something, but uh, yeah, I always liked the idea that you you could be a little bit incognito, but you also knew that it was it wasn't just Stone Island; it was Shadow Project. It was that bit more, I guess. So I, I don't know if I'm explaining that very well, but you know, like it's just um, just a bit more special. Mm-hmm. I think that's something we all love, right? Like we we all likely buy product more for ourselves and like you know it feels great knowing you're wearing a valence piece and you don't necessarily need to know let, let anyone else know that that's what you're wearing well that's the thing isn't it um uh you, you can basically uh wear something and I, I i guess it's not gatekeeping i guess some people would view it as that but it's kind of like you're just it's nice to have something that everyone has 
it's nice to know the little details that other people don't know. Because someone seeing a valence jacket, they would just see it as a jacket. They would see it as like a, a well-made technical jacket, but they don't know what comes with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, I guess I see it like that. Cool. So it sounds like the, the first, like, w- w- is it right to say the first couple of brands you were into were already like on the technical side of things? Um, I guess in a sense, um, I always sort of veered towards that. But what I would say is that I, my tastes have changed as I'm sure everyone's have over the years. Um, and I used to wear things like Fred Perry quite often, uh, Lyle and Scott at the time, um, Levi's Blue Star jeans. And, I, and I, I used to have quite a thing for Dior jeans. Uh, me, and my, me and my friend James at the time, I don't know how we got onto it, but we got we found these like Dior jeans and we both really enjoyed the car and the fit and stuff like that. Um, and I guess that was like a bit of an entry level, an entry point in a higher, higher fashion. But at the same time, my, like I say, my, my tastes kind of changed a bit over the years. I was always very much like, I enjoyed the technical aspect of garments and, and brands. But I was kind of sucked into like half streetwear, contemporary at the time. But I guess it end had brands like Nom de Guerre and things mm. like that as well. So you, I would see things like that and being exposed to, to to brands like that, which obviously in my mind I would enjoy. But sometimes you need someone to show you how you can wear something. And I think a lot of that is when you're younger, you kind of wear what people around you are wearing to an extent. And you need someone to kind of show you, okay, I can actually wear that. And I think like Shadow Project was probably the first time I saw something like that where I'm like, yeah, I, I can actually wear that. So what kind of examples uh, were you looking at that helped you figure that out? Um, do you remember Inventory Magazine? Yeah. Yeah, the Canadian one, right? Yeah, exactly. So I guess around the time where I first started seeing that was maybe when I was kind of like beginning to really understand, okay, I can wear things in a different way. And they used to have like examples and the issues of uh they would maybe do an example of parkas and they would show you like a bunch of different parkas like a wool rich um and whatever else and they would show you ways you could wear that with other styles whether it be like wearing it with like a, a blazer like a, a relaxed blazer or a pair of wool pants um wearing it with a vest over the top or you know like layering and things like that wearing it with not just sneakers they used to style a lot with the um Mark McNair in New Amsterdam Sort of brogues? Uh, uh, Aldens? No, no. Do you know Mark McNary? Mm-hmm. Yes. He used to have a new. He used to have a brand called New Amsterdam. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and they used to style up things like that, and um, so it wasn't always sneakers, and it wasn't always necessarily technical, but it just kind of gives you an insight, and in you can wear things in different ways. You know, like I cool. think that's a big thing, and I don't want to go into it too much. I guess we can touch on it later in the the podcast, maybe. But I see that I see Mike do that. Like perfectly, mm-hmm. they give you, they show you how you can wear things in a different way, and the way they style it isn't just straightforward. And I really, really grasp onto things like that. I, I really like that you bring up inventory because I guess like when I was getting in clothes, they really curated all the brands that like I'm still so interested in now, right? Mm-hmm. Like Marker Howell sweaters, Valence jackets, and also yep. I guess back in the day like Band of Outsiders shirts and all that. Exactly. Yeah, they, they used to do their own product. I guess they had a store in New York for a short while. Um, oh, cool! Yeah, they're a store in New York. They used to do like obviously all the collabs were in the magazine, so they, mm-hmm. I'm sure they did some um, brogues with Mark McNary. They did some really nice ties, but I can't remember who the name was. They did some Oxford shots with uh, Gitman, um, mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff like that. But you'd have that, but then you'd also have interviews with Valence. They had an article. I don't know if you remember. And it was based around Valence giving Valence giving jackets that were surplus to homeless people. Oh, the cloaks, right? Or like yeah, the exactly, exactly. And I remember reading that in the magazine, and I guess that would have been like one of the earlier issues. Um, but then they had, I guess it had a certain feel to it, but then it also had a technical thing with Valence being attached to it. Um, I guess that was they're from they were from Vancouver, I think. Mm-hmm. The guys from the guys from Inventory. Um, but then you'd also have Engineer Garments, you have VisVim. Uh, I'm sure there was a a, a Bape issue. I could be wrong there, but I think there was something like that. So it was, it was kind of like a wide range of brands. So it would give you maybe an insight into things that you maybe didn't know about. Like like I say, Nom de Guerre, they did quite a few styling things, editorials with them, all sorts of stuff that can gives you like an insight into something a bit more, I guess. Um, 
an inventory is like a big one for me, if I'm honest. It was one that I really, I have all the issues. I go back and look at them. They're in pristine condition because I don't like magazines being damaged. So I always go back and, and look on them quite a lot. Those might have some value. I don't think you can find those online, can you? I don't think there's any digital copies I've seen. No, I can't find them. They, I don't know if the website's still up because they used to have all the news section on the website was still there for quite a long time. I haven't checked recently, so I don't know if it's still there. But yeah, essentially, the magazines themselves, you, they do pop up on like eBay and Depop. And funnily enough, when I was in Tokyo, and I totally forgot to go back, there was a, a store I was stood next to which had a box of magazines. And it had like a stack of inventories just in this plastic box. Uh, in the store and I, I meant to go back and check but it's not something I guess that people now really talk about too much but I think they did a, like a really great thing at the time like there wasn't really anything like that yeah I think Vancouver is home to like really good fashion magazines that mm-hmm. like are in our interest like intelligence that exactly and used to do yeah just so hard to find in person now but such like packed with so much great tidbits yeah exactly and I, I think in, in the, the intelligence bag was one that I really wish I had some issues of because um, I know Reese, who now works at North, who used to do intelligence, mm-hmm. and I don't f- he doesn't even really have any issues. Um, we we can trade. I, I want inventory <laughs> and I have a ton of intelligence. We'll figure it out. <laughs> maybe maybe if I can buy, if I can find some on, in Europe on uh, on Depop or eBay, then we can trade. But I'm not giving up any of the the original ones. They're not going anywhere. Uh, but I, I feel like a magazine is something that's kind of overlooked sometimes, like an actual physical copy that you can go back and refer to. It's tactile. It feels nice. Like, as much as it's great to read stuff online, it's not the same as finding out about it in a magazine. Yeah, it feels like that's kind of died off. And it's really too bad about, like, inventory because that way of um, putting brands together and styling them has kind of been lost to history. And maybe it's making a bit of a resurgence lately. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Um, I think I see are probably at the forefront of that in Europe anyway. Um, they do a lot. They bring a lot of things that people wouldn't normally see and bring it to a new audience. And I love the way they style. I guess outside of that, the only other magazines that I buy myself, I mean, you can talk about any that you guys are into, it would be like Huge and Grind Magazine, um, Prodism, um, all Japanese magazines. And I was, I was um, showing a magazine called Outstanding Magazine recently. Which is another, I believe, Japanese one, which is was amazing. Um, the shoots and the styling in that were, were great, and that's one that's I don't think it exists anymore, as far as I'm aware. But that they they would be ones right now that I would look at to buy, or maybe like silver or ice cream. Um, but these are all like predominantly Japanese based, other than uh, other than IC. So yeah, I guess it's something that's a little bit of a lost art in a way, um, and I think people see it as a a bit of a, a dead format for some places you know but i just saw that ic have sold out their latest issue three separate covers all gone you know so there's definitely like people are crying out for that i think Mm -hmm. i think it's a shame that like all the great fashion magazines now are all japanese like i recently bought a copy of go out is Mm -hmm. it i think the one that focuses all like on the camping gear yeah it's such a great product focused magazine right like just catalogs of really well curated items mm-hmm. but i can't read the damn thing which sucks i'm just like it's like a picture book for me yeah yeah, yeah i'm the same and i used to buy stuff like um um uh, oh man there was a japanese magazine that i used to collect it was like men's only or something like that i can't remember but you've, you've got stuff like that you've got lightning magazine again another japanese magazine it's only really there for the pictures because I, I can't read any of it you know um and I guess in terms of European ones, you have L'Etiquette, the magazine from France, um, but that's more fo- focused on things like suiting, um, not necessarily high fashion, but not it sort of dips into things that we would probably enjoy, but it's not a, a magazine that you could really sit and enjoy from cover to cover. And maybe there's a market inefficiency here that we should capitalize I on. Think, yeah, I think we should be tapping into this. It just seems so this hard is definitely to get into do. print media these days. Yeah, I guess I guess the the hardest part is the start, isn't it? It's like with anything, it's getting over that first hurdle of really doing like the first issue, for example. And then once you've done that first issue, then like I guess for want of a better phrase, the world's your oyster. You know, you can really do what you want after that. Let's start talking about advanced research. Tell us the story of how that page started and how you got involved in it. I guess like uh, Lars, who who started the advanced research, 
and I guess he still does see it like this. It's kind of like an insight in his mind. It's like his own personal mood board. Um, I couldn't tell you exactly when he started that, but it was a, a good few years ago now. And I guess he's he got like a big following very quickly because he was covering like a, I don't want to say a niche in the Instagram market, but he was posting things that people were really gravitating towards, you know. Um, I feel like it's not just like a GARP account. I feel we, 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 he especially tries to, to, to show more than that. I mean, it is things he's into with the more technical side of things. But then I, I guess even more recently, you'll probably see a lot more things in there where it covers a lot of different bases, you know? There's a lot of different things that people are into. Um, and then I guess me bring, bringing me on in January, it just gives two people's minds, um, you know, like different brands that we're into, things like that. Um, in terms of, you know, what we're doing at the minute. I'm actually had a meeting. I say a meeting. It's not really a meeting. I had a, had a lunch with Lars today and we're talking about what we're going to do next, what things are working on at the minute, sort of like the sort of things you want to be looking to post. Um, and I guess it ranges, as you would see when you look on the account from things like Salomon to Arcteryx. They're the sort of like, you know, big hitters if you want to look at it like that. But then we also try to cover things like Dime or, uh, you know, some things will have something that's basically just like a, a nice post. You know, um, something where it's animal related or, you know, something that people can just enjoy. It doesn't always have to be serious fashion, gore, outdoor, contemporary, anything like that. It's just, it's just things that we both enjoy, you know, and I guess it still is uh, at its core base as a mood board for us. Um, but it's allowing us to be able to move into more things. We've got some projects coming up over the next year that I can't really go into too much detail at the moment, but it's going to show that. Um, I guess it's, I don't want to say it's just a mood board, but it's more than that. You know, it's something that we can actually provide back to people. Um, we're going to be moving more into that, uh, potentially product, product related in some way, shape or form, whatever that may be. Um, you know, potentially more content. Um, and we're, we're going to be doing a newsletter. I guess that's, that's one thing that we can definitely talk about is that uh, we're going to be doing a newsletter soon. Um, and I guess the newsletter gives us a chance to to delve more into the more the smaller things, the things that you don't always see, the things that wouldn't necessarily get all the big likes on Instagram, um, but things that uh, you know that people are. I guess for me, crying out for that aren't isn't everywhere, and it gives us to be able to show I don't know new designers in a new light. People, uh, you know, like I'm going to be doing a store report. A, for Tokyo at some point in the newsletter, you know? Nice. Just like a bit more content. Um, and as well as that, I guess, we're going to be looking to have some sort of resource in there. So I have like a, a Google map that I've been creating for Tokyo um, and we're going to use that as like a, a, a tab on the the um, the website that's going to have like, you know, a Tokyo store map, Kyoto store map, Osaka store map, things that I guess in the past I would have gone to Super Future and bought a map from their website, but we want to we want to have it on there as like a resource for people to just go and get, and they don't have to pay for it. Because um, there's there's like a hundred stores on it now, but there's an infinite amount of stores in Tokyo. You know, like we just need people to give us suggestions, and then we can add them to the the Google Map, for example. Um, and it's just there as a resource for people. Cool. I, I think the idea of a newsletter is really interesting to me. Because I feel one gripe I have with Instagram as a platform, especially with all these mood boards, is you see a cool picture, but you have, there's no substance beyond that, right? Like you can't go, or at least no one's posting details about the products they're sharing. It's just that, oh, it's styled cool, or mm -hmm. you see the tape. And I think it's really important, like especially in like with product that's so technical, it's mm -hmm. so important to like know the details behind the fabrication and all the features that come with the piece. Yeah, for sure. And I think on, on, on some Instagram accounts, or a lot of Instagram accounts, you see something that you really enjoy, but you want more. You know, you mm -hmm. don't just want an image, you want details. And I think that's why we enjoy the the aspects of fashion that we do enjoy is because we like, we're into the details. Um, if it is stuff like, what's the, like what's the, even just as basic as what's the fabric? You know, like, what's the thought process behind it? And I guess that's something we kind of want to move into as well soon is to do more about the actual product itself. So as you say, on an Instagram post, you can post a great image of a great jacket but that you don't really get more than that. That's essentially all you're getting. You're getting the like the core basic image, and like you say with a newsletter, you can do that. We can maybe focus in on one specific piece and tell the story of that piece. 
how is it how is the designer create it sketches to show what the initial stages were how it worked through the whole process you know that's something that um we kind of want to look at as well um and it has something that we've talked about with brands already um and it will be something that will we will kind of branch out into but yeah people just want more i guess um than just a, a just an instagram post you know yeah i think it's easy to say oh people just want images especially when it comes to clothes but I don't think it's appreciated how much people want commentary. And I think the more people who are getting into, you know, the stuff that you guys publish and the stuff that we're into are becoming sophisticated enough to, you know, want to um, read some commentary and learn more about the details at this point. Yeah, definitely. I feel like, I think that's an underrated thing as well. Like people just think, oh, you know, Instagram's there just for just posting images, but it gives people a chance to find things that they wouldn't normally find. And if you're not necessarily giving them the whole picture, you're kind of losing out on something, I think. You're losing out on potentially someone finding something, really, really loving it, as opposed to just liking an image. Because it gives it more substance. Because I think that's something that you can't really get across on Instagram all the time, is the substance. It's just it's just throw away a lot of the time because people like an image and move on to the next thing. Yeah, I think that's what like separates the accounts I really respect on Instagram versus the ones that I just like are like, okay, you're an image curator. Like, I really don't care for a picture of just shoes on the ground. Like, sure, they're cool shoes, but the ones that can explain why they're such cool shoes just are so much more respectable. Yeah, for sure. And I guess I'm I'm quite uh, bad at that posting posting pictures of shoes on Instagram or like <laughs> I guess it's something I might have to consider more. It's like really explaining a bit more why. I'm posting them. And I guess people get sucked into that, don't they? Like, it's nice. You just want to share things that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I suppose that's like at the core of it. That's what we like to do is just share things that we enjoy. But maybe, you know, you always have to think about, right, what more can we do with that? Because I think there's, there's always something more you could always do with everything. Yeah, I think it's a balance, right? Like, you know, there's just so much good product you want to share, but it's impossible to write a dissertation for why it's good product for yeah. all of them. Yeah, yeah. Is there a specific audience you want to reach with advanced research? Or are you trying to just introduce people to product you like? I guess we're not necessarily trying to reach out to any specific audience because we don't want to pigeonhole it into anything in particular. We just kind of want to reach out to people to show what we enjoy. You know, like there is an advanced research community, um, but I wouldn't define any specific part of that community. You know, there's like different aspects to it. Um, and as much as we do cater to a certain particular community, that's not the be all and end all. You know, we just want to reach out to as many people as we can and, you know, start a conversation a lot of the time. It's just getting across something, like we said before, that's more than just an image. It's to start a conversation a lot of the time is a good thing. And I suppose using, using advanced research as a vehicle to do that is, I guess, for the main part, what we're going for. Um, like I say at the start, it's all, it's all really a mood board and a, and a large and now my mind. Um, but I guess when you have something like advanced research, you kind of want to try and do a bit more than just have that mood board. Um, so yeah, I guess it's we're not we don't have a particular type of person. We just want to reach out to anybody who likes what we do. Is there a certain kind of engagement that you're you know looking to inspire? We're trying, I guess, do some more posts where we can start the conversation a bit more. You know, because um, I feel like the community is there, uh, and maybe maybe we would like to have a bit more engagement. Um, and really build something out of it, you know, because there are fans, and I guess some people are happy just to like, and you know, and that's it, and you know, that's that's all they want to do. But some people want a little bit more, I guess. Um, and that's something I suppose that we are kind of starting to look at a bit more and sort of be conscious of. So you talk about community and like starting conversation. Do you have any interests in like running advanced research community events? Like I see a lot of these outdoor pages slowly branching into that. Like 114 Index does like community runs or hikes. Yeah, like Lewis at 114 does some great stuff. They, he, he's, he's, did you see how many people they had for the run in Manchester? There was like over 100 people. Which, That's wow. so impressive. Which is a lot. So him and um, I believe it was Declan Tate that was involved in it as well. Uh, they started this run and they I, mean, I guess they weren't sure how many people were going to turn up but yeah they're doing some great things and I guess pivoting to, to advanced research in that aspect I suppose it is something that we want to do more of and we've definitely talked about it but and I, and I think that's going to link into some of the projects that we're going to be doing going forward we're going to have the opportunity to have a space for people to come along um, 
whether it be an event or you know we're also working on some running related stuff as well that, that that's, that's going to be coming out soon um so this i guess these are things that are going to give people an opportunity for us to, to have a chat with them because it's something that i'd really like to do is have like a an advanced research focused event but it just means that people can come and meet each other and have a conversation because i guess that's that's why i know you guys is just through chatting to people and that's more mainly through instagram because we're all over the world but to give people an opportunity to come and have that conversation in person would be like a it'd be a really good thing there's definitely a strong desire for that yeah i'd hope so yeah yeah i think just like doing the community night at like a store or something like that serving drinks such a great way to meet people just within your immediate city already yeah exactly and i think it's something that we could easily do in berlin but i kind of want to read and, and i guess it's i guess what everyone wants to do is i kind of want to reach out to more than just that you know it'd be nice to have something going on in different places in the world because we're just looking at um today what the the main places or the main cities that we get interaction from and the top one's actually seoul in korea hmm. um is one of the top ones that we get interaction from so it'd be nice to, to be able to get an opportunity to go to, maybe not necessarily there straight away, but it'd be nice to go to different places and have these interactions with people that you wouldn't normally get the opportunity to meet face-to-face. You need to do the world tour. We do need to do a world tour. We need a sponsor. So <laughs> if you can get Valence in on that, or maybe we get Shane Long to, to adapt or to sponsor it, you know, maybe we do something like that. But yeah, that would be that would be fantastic. Because um, I've, I've been, been, been the... To talk to you for the first time this year has just opened my eyes to how many great people there are out there, and they're in every city, you know. Definitely, it's funny you bring up Shane because I saw him last week, and I was just about to bring it up in the sense that he's doing the tour kind of just within Canada, like he's been doing the rolling pop ups through like Toronto, Vancouver, uh, Winnipeg, and Montreal. I think, yeah, mm-hmm. like that's a good model to do. It's just like slowly move across different countries and meet the people. Yeah, for sure. And I guess it's good for him and it's good for the stores that he's working with as well because you're getting some people in that you might not normally get in and you're getting exposure to some other people and you're getting to have these conversations, like you say, that you wouldn't normally have. Um, I really like what Shane's doing. He's he's looking at it from a different angle, I guess. He's looking at it from a way to introduce people and adapt by face-to-face contact. Um, as much as obviously online as well, but having that opportunity to meet him and chat to him and you can see the person behind the brand, I think it's like a really big thing because not too many brands really do that. You know, like the people from the brand, as much as they are real people and you can have a conversation with them, it's different if they're there. Yeah, it's nice. It seems like Shane has a good you know network in Canada that he can kind of build a grassroots movement from. Yeah, and I think like him working with like Double Dribble and stuff like that, he's bringing in like a, di- a different sort of thing to it. So it's not just about the clothes, you know? He's bringing, he's made, it's relating it to sports. He's relating it to music with the the sort of mixes and stuff that he does. Like he's sort of creating this like adapter world, if you like, that anybody can buy into and anyone can be involved in, in the brand. Yep, yeah, I think that's such a powerful component of brand building, right? Like when you go and look at any of these major luxury houses, like mm-hmm. you're buying into the world, right? Like they all have, like I think the road does a really good job of like curating the art and the playlists that goes with the brand. I think, yeah. like, yeah, that's such a great way of getting introducing people. It is, yeah. I, I saw that you'd uh, you'd got something from the row the other day, <laughs> and it, it just makes me think, like, how, a, how much money are you getting paid? Uh, and, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and secondly, like, I wonder how many people actually get the opportunity to, to see a brand like that in person. Like, I think it's quite, like, a specialist, like, special thing to be able to actually really get a hold of the product and really see what it's all about. Um, because I guess a lot of people wouldn't see past the price point but there's a reason for that price point absolutely uh to answer the price question um all you have to do is use a firm to buy in 12 payments then use klarna to pay your 12 installments <laughs> then you're good okay okay uh but I, I think it's like uh kobe and i were having this conversation earlier this week it's like the row is just like so hard to find in person like i think i've only been to like two stores yeah, ever i've, I've never seen it, it. and yeah, right. Like, I think it's just one of those things that's just like, there's a New York store, but it's like in the middle of nowhere. It's like so deep in the Upper East. Like, you really have to be in the corridors of power to go there. And like, I'd never make the trip. <laughs> the corridors of power. <laughs> that's I, exactly what the Upper East is. See, I've, uh, I, I can't think of anywhere that I could go. There's like one store I can think of that might have it. Like Andreas Makudis in Berlin. Oh, I'm not familiar. 
that's the store's really cool. It's not necessarily loads of stuff that I like, but it's a nice store. And then there's also one, I think it's linked to that store called Darklands, who ah. sells like Rick Owens and stuff like that. Ah, uh, I, I think it's like, I need to go in. And I don't want to say it's like a goth influenced, but it's very, <laughs> the name suggests that all. It's called Darklands. And you go down a dark black corridor to get into the store. It's very conceptual. Yeah, but I guess like they would be the only places that potentially I could see the role would be Andreas Makudis in Berlin. But even then, I don't know. Like potentially, yeah, it's a, it's quite a hard thing to really think about where you could go and see it. But I suppose that's by design. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just like by design, such limited distribution because the collections aren't big, right? So you don't want to have such redundant product across so many stores. Yeah, and I guess it's not for everyone. And I don't mean that in an elitist way, but it isn't. Like it's not for everyone. Oh, absolutely not, right? I don't. I think it's designed for who just really care about product. Like, I don't want to make this a the row podcast, but yeah, I think <laughs> it's very like a very niche audience that like would appreciate it and really want to buy it. Yeah, I get that. Well, speaking of the row and going into different brands, you know, what kind of brands are you looking at these days, Ian? I guess it's one of these things like what am I not looking at? <laughs> okay. uh, like, <laughs> uh, and I don't, I don't mean that in like every single brand everywhere, but like I'm just constantly, that's one of the things that I really enjoy doing is just finding new brands, you know? And that's one thing I love about Instagram and it has its positives and its negatives, but being able to find new brands is, for me, is a great thing. And it's kind of like, I always say like, do you know how sometimes you go down a YouTube rabbit hole and you'll just find more and more and more things? For me, I do, do that on Instagram. I'll find a brand. I'll then find a store that stocks that brand. I'll find other brands in that store that I enjoy, you know, and then I'll find maybe another store off the back of that. And at the moment, like brands wise that I'm, I'm really enjoying, uh, I mean, you know, Dive Up Here, like Dive Up Here is probably like my favorite brand at the minute. Um, really? really? Yeah, yeah, I love Dive Up Here. Um, and I guess like Haven in Canada, I've got it now. Um, mm-hmm. Because I was speaking to someone the other day about, I've been speaking to a few people about it the other day, and I don't think there's too many places in the US have it. Maybe I don't even know who has it, to be honest. Um, but that brand is like, I, I don't know if you've ever been able to see any in person yourself, but I really enjoy the brand. Um, it's really well designed, all the ideas behind it. There's a guy, and Alex the designs the brand, super nice guy. Uh, and I don't know, there's just something about it. There's just, again, going back to details, there's just details on details on details. Like you're looking at the collection for spring, summer in Paris, and it's just like, you look at it and you go, oh, and it's reversible. Oh, and it has this pocket. You know, I was looking at one of the blazers the other day and it, it's cut like a normal blazer, but even just little things like the buttonhole, the top buttonhole where you can fasten, it's like a little rubber loop rather than a buttonhole. Or like the pockets will go all the way around. So you would normally have your normal blazer pockets at the bottom. It has like an extra pocket which goes wraps around the waist. And, and it's just little things like that. Um, and I really enjoy the size and the cuts of the brand because like I have a small jacket, but it fits like an XL. Like, it's all oversized. And for me, that's kind of like a fit that I'm looking for. Um, you really that, like the volume. Yeah, 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 100%. 100%. The shirts, like I see, a shirt I've got so small fits like an XL. Uh, the tees, like a one-size tee. So I've got one of the tees with the, do you know the brand Inoi? No, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm familiar. That's another brand that I really enjoy and really good people behind that brand as well. And they did a collab with Diver and the fit on that tee is perfect. Uh, yeah, I thought I was beginning to sound like a bit of a fanboy, but like that's okay. was like pretty much like yep. Eighteen East is another one which is like one of my favorite Changeli's brands. brand, right? Hmm? Anthony Changeli's brand, yeah, Antonio Changeli, yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, and I really like what he does. Like, it's one of these brands where I don't want to say it's like not that well known because it's not. Like, a lot of people know it, but because they don't wholesale at the moment, I guess like not as many people that I think would love that brand are getting the opportunity to really see that brand. Because I feel like it's one that so many people would love, especially in Japan. It'd be one that I feel would would be a big hitter there. And just the way that, again, with their sizing, I feel like their sizing's nice. It's oversized. They always suggest you to buy oversized because they style it that way. Yeah, so like 18E's Diver. So there's a, in Japan, there's this, it's a store called Fresh Service and it does so many different things. Like right now, I'm looking at like a crate like one of the plastic like hay type crates, mm-hmm. but they did their own version of that. I bought like a like a big mat. Um, I bought a duffel suitcase, but then I they also do some really nice fitting shirts that the fits are all one size. Like the t shirts I mostly wear are fresh service tees because they're like one size fits all, but they're big and oversized. 
but all the proportions are right. You know, okay. um, what's up with Japanese brands and plastic crates? Because I feel like they all make plastic <laughs> crates. It does seem that way, yeah. Who who doesn't want a plastic crate? <laughs> like who do, they're, they're useful. I can buy one in Japan and bring all the stuff back that I've not even looked at yet, and it's still sitting in my plastic crate. Like I can put, you can put anything in it. Um, it's just like functional. I think like uh, people like functional items, and it's an easy thing to do. It doesn't cost a lot, you know. Um, but like honestly, these these like I could I don't know how many brands I could literally sit here and talk for hours on the different brands that I'm enjoying right now. Kesson's another one where I, it's one of my favorite brands, and I guess that's an example of the way they style things isn't necessarily how I would wear it, but you can you don't necessarily have to prescribe to the way that the brand styles it. Like I buy everything from that brand oversized, and I just think that it, it it's, it's such a good brand, and I know that most brands have a story behind collections, but like. They really have a theme and a story behind everything they do. And uh, all the products are named after places in Scotland as well. So <laughs> it's, it's very much one of these things where I can really buy into it for various different reasons. Um, and that's that's one brand that I would I would say that should be a bit bigger than it is because the fabrics are amazing. The way the product's made, you know, like the story, as I say, behind every collection. Yeah, I guess they would the be... The knitwear is so good. Yeah, Exactly. Just things like the fleece is great. Um, even when they do like outerwear, the outerwear is great. You know, like I wouldn't say there's anything that they particularly do that I wouldn't buy into. Um, but things like the knitwear and things like that, and the fabrics. Honestly, the, you see their seasonal fabrics and their shirts. It's always mm-hmm. it's always something that you could really buy into. Yeah, it feels like a much younger Howell or like S E H Kelly, and like a bit more approachable too. Yeah, yeah, SH is a good. I know, I know SH Kelly as well. I, I own quite a lot of SH Kelly over the years, and Paul's a great guy. Um, I guess it's kind of like that. It's a more accessible version of that, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all, I believe, I don't want to say too, the wrong thing here, but I believe it's all made in Europe as well. Um, mm. Which that, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with making product outside of Europe because there's some great factories in, all over the world. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's that's another good thing about it. Um, I suppose it's kind of for a lazy comparison. It'd be like a Universal Works, kind mm, of similar, okay. but like a, maybe a little bit more, a little bit more detailed. Um, you know, something like that. Yeah, they would be like brands that I would, I would really enjoy at the minute. What about you guys? What brands are you really enjoying at the minute? Yeah. Oh no! I mean, I'm just gonna say the row, which is good because it means I can only buy a piece a year, which keeps me responsible. Yeah. For me, I think what's happened over the years is I've kind of been slowly narrowing down brands that I consistently look at and buy from. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'll kind of you know keep an eye out, you know, and see what friends are checking out, mm-hmm. um, and what people like in the Discord community and whatnot are looking at. Like the approach that you take. Where you're just kind of like drilling down and finding all kinds of new things. Yeah, I wish I could do things like that. You have the the passion. A lot of the stuff that I enjoy isn't necessarily commercial. You know, like it's not something that you could buy for just like, like for example, HHV. Um, it's not something that I could necessarily suggest to them because I just know that it's not going to make sense for the store. Um, so a lot of the time it's just for me personally. And I like, I like posting it on stories to then show other people what's there, you know, because I feel like me being, me doing that, and I know I'm not shouting out to a lot of people, but me doing that gives me the opportunity to, to show other people, like you guys, things, brands that you might not have the time or you've not been able to find, and then I can help people find that. Um, I, like, I really enjoy doing that. And I'm being pretty subdued at the minute, but I can sometimes get too passionate. Um, like I was having a conversation, not too passionate, that's not a bad thing. I was having a conversation the other day with someone about um, skateboarding and how like brands like Alzheimer's are, are very reaching out to like the core skateboarder, but the skateboarder now, and I'm not a skateboarder, but we're just talking about brands in general, you know, and I was just getting really passionate about it. And then we talked about the hideout. So there was a, a store called the hideout in London. They were basically some of the first people to bring in Supreme and Porter and Visvim into Europe basically along with some other people but we were just sort of talking passionately about what they used to have and how it's you know like you don't really have stores like that anymore where it's kind of got that kind of elitist feel to it where you have to like push a buzzer to get into the store <laughs> uh-huh. and you don't really have that now and I don't think that's a bad thing but you know like yeah I can get get pretty passionate about stuff uh, and I, I guess that's one thing I, I, I would it's not something you can put on your CV 
But I think that's something, if you're passionate about something, you can really bring something to a job. Definitely. Yeah, and I think for maybe for all of us, the best way to discover brands is just like hearing about it through word of mouth from people who you really trust. Yeah, 100%. And I guess I do that quite often when I see meet people in person. I'm always asking, have you heard of this brand? Have you heard of this brand? Have you heard of this one? And then getting my phone out, showing people stuff on Instagram. And I just like sharing the knowledge because it's one thing me having the knowledge, but it's not really doing any good if I'm if other people aren't getting to benefit from that. Um, I don't mean that to sound big-headed. I just like to to share you know information mm-hmm. with people. I think sharing good product is like one of the is part of enjoying the product, right? Like uh, one of my friends yesterday was just moving in and I was helping him, and he wanted help like decorating this place, and it's like it's so much fun sharing like the silverware and the cut like all the ceramics you're into and explaining why it's so cool. And having someone else also like see the value in those products. Yeah, for sure. I guess that's the thing, isn't it? It's not just the the showing people. It's been able to like, really explain why you enjoy something and give someone yeah. the opportunity to then experience that as well and go, oh, okay, yeah, I get that. That's something that I can really buy into as well. And whether that mm-hmm. be, like you say, ceramics or whether that be clothing or footwear or whatever, if it's something that you enjoy and you love and you're passionate about, like, I, it's always great to, to hear that from people, you know? Um much much more interested than just seeing adverts or, you know, seeing something on Instagram that someone you kind of know but you can't really buy into their point of view. It's someone really selling it to you. And I don't mean that in like a monetary term, just in like a, you know, passion. Mm-hmm. The story stuff is important, even though it can sound kind of, you know, like lame marketing speech. And it, it does come through whether something's genuine or not. Like I kind of hate to say it but you know i think valence is a brand who's marketing and has really fallen off and just has seen more and more artificial over the years and it's just so obvious so disconnected from the design right it's disconnected from the design and it's disconnected from their customer base yeah i think that's the thing isn't it so i I don't want to say brands get lazy but they get to the point where they're like okay we've been doing this for a while you know we don't really need to think about it you know, the money's still going to keep rolling in no matter what. But it's kind of like, I always say that you need to keep progressing or you die. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot, there's so many stores that or brands that have been like, okay, we're safe now. We don't really need to think about it too much. But you need to keep not necessarily changing what you do, but you need to keep evolving. You know, like they're constantly looking at ways they can improve their product. You should be looking at ways you can improve everything. And that includes the way that you sell the product to people, the way that you market it. Like you've got to inspire people. And I think when you don't get inspired by marketing and content from a brand, it's kind of like it loses something. And I think as, you know, smaller brands come up and as people's taste gets more and more sophisticated, you know, a lot of the bigger brands just can't catch up or don't even try and they fall off. Yeah, exactly. I think that's definitely the case in a lot of places where they, they just don't feel like, like you say, they can catch up. And they're like, okay, so we're just going to stay where we are. But yeah, I like that a lot of places have been using um, outsourcing content to freelance, if you like. So like I see Mike, for example, and I know I keep coming back to them, but I just, what they do for me is it encapsulates like a really, a really great thing. Um, and I think that brands should be taking inspiration from people like that. Not, I'm not saying copy them, but you know, like think, okay, what can we do that's a bit different, but still link back to what we do? Yeah, I think it's just like giving your product to someone else to style can like inject so much like breath of fresh air into your brand, right? Uh, I see it's cool too. Like I, uh, I only have the Haven copy. I think it's a little too a little shorter than I would like it to be, but the styling is interesting and like it's very much within the realm of the brands we're interested in. Yeah, definitely. And the the, the styling, like I say, they they just. They're a prime example of showing something in a different light. Yeah, even the Valen stuff, like the, when they did all the Valen's woman styling, great. Mm-hmm. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And that's that just memorable. what they do. Um, yeah, like I, I can't, I can't see enough good things about them. Um, again, I'm, I, I own a lot of the product, the collabs they've done. You know, like they're, they're amazing people. I, I really enjoy their point of view, uh, and I'm always excited about what they're going to do next. I think the moment I started respecting them is when they did the uh, what's the Japanese sock brand they did Rose Total is that yeah yeah when they did that I was like okay such good socks I respect them for doing that the socks are great yeah yeah <laughs> I, I've recently just got another they pack did a of feature it. on Rototo or however they you have say. a collab like they embroidered oh, they icy onto them yeah That's yeah they've funny. done 
they've done two two Rototo collabs um, so far. Uh, yeah, this in in the winter, all I wear is Rototo. Say that again. Like in the winter, the only mm-hmm. thing I wear on my feet, sock wise, is Rototo. Kobe, you bought a pair too, right? Yeah. yeah. Funny thing, I, I, I live in you know Western Massachusetts, which is okay. far from like you know a fashion hotbed, yeah. but the. The second biggest Rototo stockist is right near where I live. It's oh, really? Just like some, yeah, some random, random store that sells, you know, some niche Japanese stuff. But he, yeah, he loves it. But yeah, I have a few pairs. One of them wore out very quickly, which I was disappointed in. But in terms of just comfort and warmth, never seen anything like it. The double face. The yes. double face sock in winter. Yeah. That's it. That's all the wear. Uh, in summer, I have to go for a Unico, like really thin sock. But in winter, I won't touch anything else other than Rototo. Sometimes they're too warm. That's my, that's my only complaint. <laughs> it, hey, man, it gets it gets cold in Western Massachusetts in winter. It can't be it can't be too warm for Rototo there. No, it's true. Yeah, yeah. Where, where, where about is it you live? Where do you live? Um, like near Amherst. Yeah. Okay. I my my friends used to live in Marblehead. Mm-hmm. Which I yeah. guess is kind of near there. Kind of. Yeah. 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 But yeah, winters the winters winters in Berlin get to like minus ten, which I guess is nothing compared to winters in North America and the Northeast or in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I understand. Like, it means you still you can still wear cool jackets in the winter. Like, you're not barred from like only you're not restricted to just wearing light puffers. Yeah, yeah, that's all exactly. that really matters. As long as the weather accommodates cool jackets, then <laughs> definitely. Good to go. That's why I hate summer. Like, I absolutely hate summer because like, you can't layer. Oh, in, in Berlin in summer, it's like 25 to 30 degrees most of the time. So for me, that's too hot. Coming from Scotland, nah. Just t-shirts and shorts. And you can't really do that much with t-shirts and shorts. You really yeah. can't. Yeah. No, I'm glad we're doing this now because, you know, in the summer, because I feel like there's always this lull in the fashion world and I kind of take a step back because there's not much stuff coming out. So this feels like a real refresher. Yeah. And I guess like it's about to be the time for out on winter deliveries to start as well, right? Out on winter oh, deliveries geez. are like now, now until like September is kind of like what your 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 prime window for jacket season <laughs> or buying jacket season because you're not going to wear the jackets; you're just going to buy them and wait for three months before you can wear them. Yeah, there's always some dissonance there for me about you know all the hot stuff, like hot literally and figuratively comes out right around now, and hard to really feel okay buying it. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm someone that's quite bad for that and buying things during the summer, the height of summer, and not and knowing fine well that I can't wear them for months on end. I'm not your typical shopper buying in seasons. I, if I like it, I buy it. It doesn't matter when it is. That's, that's especially if it's on sale. Like if oh, like I, summers where I buy all my sweaters. Exactly, exactly. It's the and who who doesn't like a bargain? I mean, it's it's not the greatest thing because stores and brands don't want to be in sale but like you can't afford everything i think there's like a balance between like supporting the stores and then also you know there are certain items you know that are just well with it beyond your reach so you gotta wait for the 30 or 40 percent off exactly exactly the stuff that i really enjoy but i just know that at my wage i can't afford them i have to wait for the money to come down the the the, the price to come down but yeah that's, i guess that's just unfortunately the way the world works not everyone can be paid a lot of money and sometimes you have to save and sometimes you have to wait I think it also becomes more and more predictable what kind of brands and what kind of styles are going to go on sale. Absolutely. Especially so now. You can wait if you're patient. Yeah. this. I mean, I'm not going to name the names, but there's certainly brands that I can think of that I don't ever see sell full price ever. Like they only sell on sale and you just know fine well that if it's something that's a little bit more expensive, you just wait it out for like a few months and you're going to get it with money, like a good bit of money off. Yeah. No, I think there's a real distinction between, you know, sale brands and retail brands yeah and i guess i guess brands going to sale a lot suggest a lot like a bunch of things and they could be unfortunately too overly distributed or spread too thin and like you can buy it in so many places that it you know it doesn't matter if one place has it on sale and the other one doesn't they're both going to have it on sale at some point um yeah i guess not necessarily the brand's fault but yeah i think a lot of brands spread themselves too thin in terms of how many stores they want to be in but then it doesn't benefit them in the long run. Yeah, I think Evan Kenori has like a re- does a really good bit about sales, like because mm-hmm. he's very against marking down his product. 
Yeah. He talks a lot of it about like, you know, if your product goes on sale, it's like a failing of the brand to make your product covetable. Okay. And that's either because of like over distribution mm-hmm. or you're pricing it too high relative to like the value you add. And I think that's like a really interesting way to see it, right? Like to him, he sees your product going on sale as a failure, which you can like for a small distribution brand. But I think it's like a really interesting way of thinking of it as like, you know, people should restrict their production to really match demand rather than like produce so much. So product will always go on sale. Yeah, no. And I guess like brands of all sizes could prescribe to that really Um I don't think it's something, unfortunately, that'll ever happen. That if, like a lot of brands will think like that, in it, but it's really good. I do enjoy Evan Canori, and I remember he was on maybe the GQ podcast uh, a while ago, and he was talking about basically people shouldn't, and it's a very logical thing that people should just be buying for the sake of buying. You should buy something that you really enjoy, and then just covet that piece for a long yes. time. It's very hard in such a consumer world to do that. Um, and I'm, I definitely fall victim to it, but it, it makes it's complete sense. Everything that he says, really, if a lot more brands prescribed to it, we'd see a lot better sales, for example, or would see people really enjoying product a bit more um, because then they know you know it's not going to go on sale, so you have to buy it now. Yeah, I think it took me a really long time to realize, like, you know, I should really be buying what I want, like, like at retail, maybe, as opposed to buying, like, five pieces on sale that I rarely love, right, and still wish I had the one retail piece. Yeah, I, I guess for me, before I buy anything in sale, is like, I always think to myself, would I have paid full price for it? And if I wouldn't have paid full price for it, I won't buy it. Yep, I think that's a great barometer for whether you love it or not. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Shedian, so what are you looking to buy this season? I think it's such a dangerous winter. Like Phoebe Philo's about to release her collection, and I think there's going to be some sick stuff there. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll give you an idea of what I'm looking at, and then you guys can tell me what you're looking at. So I guess for me, collections that I'm, I know, going back to 18 East, I know that they've got a bunch of really cool stuff coming out soon that I'm really interested in. Um, inevitably, there will be Diver product that I want to buy. Um, I know that I see Mag have got some more collabs coming up. They've mentioned on their Instagram. Uh, one with the brand Sedan. Do you know Sedan All Purpose? No. Yeah, it's a Japanese brand. Um, yeah, we got to make like a list of all these. <laughs> I'm going to go back, re-listen to this podcast, know, yeah. just write them all down, and put them in the appendix. We could have part two and it can just be me listing brands for an hour. Um, they, <laughs> I want to play so- bingo until I know enough brands. <laughs> uh but i guess they would they would be main ones i suppose like what i'm what I, I try not to buy too much now like I, I, as i'm getting older like i turned 40 this year like i need to be much more sensible um mm-hmm. and i'm in a very lucky position that sometimes i get gifted things where i it's stuff that i enjoy so i don't necessarily need to to buy them and um, that's not a brag that's just me like a very lucky thing you know um but yeah i guess i'm just trying to not buy too much there are things I know I'll inevitably buy, but it's just pulling back a little bit and realizing how much things that we already have. Like, none of us need anything. Nope. Like, we've got enough stuff to last for the rest of our lives. It's just stuff that we feel we want or feel that we have a gap in our wardrobes where, you know, you just like that one thing that you don't really need, but you'd really like to fill that gap. Um, and I guess it's trying to get over that and just using what you have. Um and again, I'm trying to do more of that. I'm not doing very well, but I'm certainly moving more in that direction. Uh, I mean, I guess what are you guys thinking? What are you what are you aiming for? Kobe, you gotta start. <laughs> Brand wise or just wardrobe just, wise? Uh but yeah, and- uh John and I and have been looking at like uh J Lal and Goldwyn Zero and okay. Roa. And mm-hmm. for me, I feel like I'm not totally convinced about the three of those brands yet but i feel like just if they got a little bit over the hump mm-hmm. i would go much more into all three of them yeah i think um all three are ones where i feel like that you can see the progression as well um maybe maybe not so much in golden zero because that's still quite a specific thing um and i think it's probably quite hard to make that a really mass producer really different but with jll for example when you see the collection it's definitely moving into an angle, a, a direction where you have the technical aspects and you've all, always going to have those technical pieces, but then you also have a lot more stuff that's moving in a more contemporary, you know, point of view. And I feel like that's really nice to see that, that you know, that um, progression so quickly because I, I guess he's, he's not, he's been around for quite a while, but his collections are very, very early stages for, for his career, I guess. 
Roa can see the, the movement as well. But yeah, for me, like it would have to be something super special for me to sp- spend the money on something from Roa because I really enjoy it. But obviously, it is quite a, a high price point brand. Um, the footwear is something that I own a pair of the CVOs. Um, I really enjoy those, and I feel they were wor- definitely worth the money. Yeah, I haven't bought anything from them yet. A lot of it's been, yeah, almost almost there for me, but not not quite enough where I would pay the premium. I would say an entry point, I would recommend the footwear. Like the footwear is yeah. really good. Okay. Yeah, I think the footwear has come a long way, right? Like I remember the early Dover Street, Elix days, and then when they started doing like the 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 paint dipped ones the collection has really come a long way i think patrick's done a really good job steering the brand in the right direction yeah yeah and uh was it the like mud was it was it the elite's row or something that had the mud on the bottom or was that that was row wasn't it they had like a uh, black upper and it had like mud like it was essentially meant to look like you've walked in mud oh i i'm not familiar with those but yeah, i, I know they did that. dip one in paint so it looks like the ccp paints almost like the bottom half is like dipped in neon paint those okay. are still in ukes yeah they, yeah 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 I think, um, yeah, they've definitely come a long way and I feel like they still have the similar styles but they just keep improving on them. Um, and just to touch on someone else, I feel like, do you know the, do you know Luca, the brand or the guy Luca Hamer? I think so, yeah. So he does, what I really like about what he does, he, 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 and he takes like his style and his collections are quite small but because he just keeps taking the, set, the set styles and just improving on them and just making them better. The jacket that he does every season, he's like, okay, what can I do to make this better? You know, can I add on like some extra detail and what can I do with the cut? And he focuses on that rather than creating new pieces. And I feel like it's good. I can buy into a brand a lot when they do that because you know they're trying to make the best product rather than going, okay, this collection's done. Right, next collection, everything's new. You know, and I feel like the rule of footwear. I think that's something Kobe and I just love about the acronym, right? It's like, yes, they introduce new styles, but they consistently bring back old styles and like put a small change to it, improve certain things. Not always improvement, but the fact they're iterating on something is cool. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's that thing about progression, isn't it? You know, always trying to look to improve. And I think that's never a bad thing in a brand. Like I could easily buy a, like a jacket from a brand if I can see that over seasons and seasons, they've just made it better and better and better. So every time you every time you buy one, you're getting a new iteration of it that's a much much better version. Or even if you buy one, you know that even if it's going to get better, they've put a lot of thought into that particular piece. Even if there are certain design elements that you kind of don't like, and then those are refined in some way, I find it can kind of put me over the top to where I actually would want to buy it. Like if it's over designed. If it's over, I mean, like not to harp on acronym too much, but like the J forty seven, right? Like the plain J47 is kind of too minimalist. The J47 TS is has much more features and is much more aggressive looking. And there's like the J47A that's somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Like it's nice to nice to have those options. And like I could see, you know, someone who's transitioning from a minimalist brand like Valence moving right into the J47 and liking that. And someone who's, you know, more into the, you know, maximal, more you know military street side of things saying like j47 looks like uniqlo i want <laughs> you know i want the ts over yeah, yeah, yeah. one. i guess there's something there for everyone isn't there you know uh well in the sense of you know transition from one brand to another you've got like an entry point um and some people do like all the bells and whistles like even if you're not going to use them i think some people see that as a big selling point yeah, I think pe- people go both ways, and sometimes it can get a little too too polarized. You know, like it was a massive controversy when Valence put Velcro cuffs on one of their jackets, right? Uh, yeah, because I guess people are seeing that they're 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 losing something. You know, like it's, it's, I guess they probably see it as it being cheapening the design. Yeah, like a key, one of the key Valence design elements just being thrown away. Yeah, I think people didn't react well to that. No, that's understandable. Mm-hmm. So, so what about you, John? What are you looking for? Uh, there are three things I want this season. Okay. I don't think I can afford any of them. <laughs> um, yeah, the right. First is, yeah, the exactly. first one's yeah. a house. Uh, that I definitely can't afford right now. Okay. Um, there's a, the row sw- There's two of the row sweaters I want. 
uh, they are four thousand and six thousand dollars respectively. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, there's there's no chance I can afford this. <laughs> like unless I come into immediate like incredible generational wealth, there, it does not make sense to buy those. No, I think uh, put those two together, and you're you're on the way to having a house. Yeah, that's, it's the choice of the down payment or the two sweaters, right? Yeah, yeah. Don't pay the ten grand in the sweaters, and you're you're going towards a down payment for your mortgage for your house. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's good though because it means I'm not going to buy anything. I I, I hope. Uh, and then Phoebe Philo is supposed to release her collection in like mm-hmm. September, right? Um, it's probably going to be all women's, but if there's something really cool, I probably will be interested just because she's such a such a great designer, right? Like such a bankable designer. Yeah, and I guess like things like that are something that uh, brands or things that she does. Is, I can really appreciate it, but I know in a million years I'm never going to wear it. Mm-hmm. Like it's not necessarily yeah. for me. You know, I'm not the person it's been designed for, but. There's always that thing where you can, like Rick Owens, for example, I can appreciate almost everything he does, but I'm never probably going to wear any of it. Thanks so much for coming on, Ian. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, it was great. Thank you very much. Yeah, hopefully we can all get together in person at some yeah, point. Yeah, I'll see you when you're in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. for sure. We can definitely cool. get, get dinner. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks a lot. Nice one. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening, and thanks again to Ian for coming on the pod. Please check us out on Instagram at raincheckpod. Take care.